you have to be very cautious here. Obviously, you, you can't let anybody know your pen name, for example, um, author conventions that you would like to visit, trying to get your books into bookstores, things like that we can't do. So you're just isolated, really. So only like two friends of mine really know what I publish. It really created a very nasty situation once when some people found out at my workplace, um, which was why I was very glad when I when I ended up leaving that job and writing full time. If you're a busy mom, but you have writing goals and dreams that you're working on, this podcast is here to help you achieve them. My name is Jackie, and I'm a mother and an author of a self-published young adult novel and a firm believer and the power of moms to create. This podcast is about finding inspiration and insight. It's about learning new ways to fuel your writing and to share your writing with the world. And sometimes, actually all the time, it's about taking a moment to just laugh at and appreciate the crazy everyday chaos that is being a writing mother. Hey guys, it's Jackie. Welcome to another episode of These Mums, Right? And happy Pride Month. Are you looking for a way to break out of the box, whether that be a corporate job, a marriage, the midlife blahs, and hoping that maybe writing might help you do it? You are in the right place because this is exactly what today's guest did in so many ways. Gianni Holmes is a single mom and a gay romance writer from Jamaica, a country that Time magazine once called the most homophobic place on earth. Despite the risks that writing in this genre poses, Gianni is making it work. Not only has her fiction writing allowed her to escape her day job and focus on writing full-time, but also provide a space and place for LGBTQ readers in her country and beyond to feel seen and safe. Please welcome Gianni Holmes. Hello, Gianni, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Um, So you have quite a large body of work in the genre of uh, gay romance. That's right. How did you first get into that um, genre, into writing? Okay. So before I started publishing, I was a ghost writer, actually. So, yes. So I was writing in various genres. And one, I remember my first job or gig working with gay romance. I was surprised because here in my country, it's kind of a really homophobic nation. We don't have gay materials here. And I remember I was like, oh my God, this is new. <laughs> so I went online and looked up some books and I started reading and I got hooked. I was like, oh my God, this is for me. I need to start writing this. <laughs> that is how I got hooked. <laughs> wow. So before that, you yourself hadn't read any books in that genre? Never. No, because we, we, we don't have that material here. We wouldn't find it here. Okay. Wow. That is mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah, because it's, um, I think here it's still a criminal offense. Yeah, so you won't find any material like that here. Wow, that is so brave. So is that, what's that like for you then? I mean, I come from a country, uh, Canada, where that's not a criminal offense. So I I feel like the experience of me writing it would be so much different. Like, what's that like for you? 
you have to be very cautious here. Obviously, you, you can't let anybody know your pen name, for example. You can't out yourself. So things that you would love to do, um, author conventions that you'd like to visit, trying to get your books into bookstores, things like that we can't do. So you're just isolated, really. So only like two friends of mine really know what I publish. Many people know I publish, but they don't know what I publish. It really created a very nasty situation once when some people found out at my workplace um, which was why I was very glad when I when I ended up leaving that job and writing full time. Wow, yeah. I mean, that's so brave. And, and is it what is it about that genre that, like, despite those risks, you are you're you're like this is the one for me. Um, I liked. I grew up reading romance books, and I they're always hit romance, and there is always this kind of power imbalance that is there. Um, MF romance is very different from MM romance. I don't think it takes consent and so forth um, as much as we do in gay romance. I feel the relationships can be much healthier in gay romance as well. Mm. And when you're dealing with two males as well, then the whole power imbalance structure that we often can find in MF romance is not there. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that it was something new that I got to explore. Um, sexuality was something I had to explore now. Um, I, for example, I did that subject area at, at university, um, sexuality, and it did not touch anything on LGBTQ any at all, even though that's what I studied in university. <laughs> so yeah, this is the genre I got to learn a lot. And not only that, but the people in the genre, it's a very small niche. And so the readers are very, um, they're voracious readers. Um, the other authors were very supported as well. It just has a very nice structure to it that I don't see in the other genres. Wow, that's so interesting. I love what you're saying about like the, the power dynamics and how different it is in, in gay romance. Like then it's almost like, uh, you're coming at it from a bit of an academic perspective because you're looking at it not just the book but like it sounds like to me like the social structure that yes, yes yes uh because it, it in fact it is political even though our books may not talk about political things just writing it it is a, it is political in a way so um that was very good for me i think broadened my horizons it helped me even to be braver too as an individual can you tell me more about that? Um, all right. So here, I grew up very conservative. My parents are Christians. My mother is an evangelist. My father is a musician for the church. And as I said, our, our whole Christian community here, it's very, um, very strict, very strict to the, to the point that, for example, females couldn't wear pants, jewelry at certain point, and all of that. Yeah, so it's very restrictive. <laughs> yes, so it's okay. like when I got in this genre, you just let loose and see the world from a very new lens and you're able to appreciate the differences, you know, and things that are out there. You're able to, to see yourself more, to understand yourself more, desires that you, you weren't even aware of back then, you're able to see that now. Can you think of ways that it's changed how you see the world around you? Uh, it has, it has. Um, as I said, when you grow up a certain way, this is the religion that you grew up in. These are the rules that you are taught. Um, this is what you're, you're taught as your moral high ground. Um, mm -hmm. That's the only thing you know. Mm -hmm. But then when you go out there, um, I was actually, 
I think I was actually very glad when I got my first job. I was working at a call center and there were many LGBTQ people in that call center. And I think that prepared me, that prepared me to write gay romance in a bit. Because then when you're working with people, they say, oh my God, the way that people are treating these people, they're just like me and you, they're no different, you know? And that was eye-opening right there for me. And by nature, I'm very empathic, uh, empathetic person by nature. So um, I try to approach the world from a, a, I want to understand your point of view. That's why I try to approach the world. So whatever, I, I'm not judgmental. I will never judge somebody. I want to understand where you're coming from. I want to understand your background that leads you to do this or to do that. So I think that really helped me in a way to get into this genre and to do so well, I think, at representing the people that I represent. Yeah, I w and do you then um, like consult with members of the LBGQT community for your books? Um, very much so. I, I identify as pansexual, that's why I identify. Um, and many of the authors in my genre as well, we have trans who are very good friends. So for example, if I'm writing a trans character, I would contact a friend and say, hey, will you read this for me? Let me know how it sounds. And, and in writing your book, you learn so much. You know, you learn so much about it and that's what I enjoy. Um, and it's not just, for example, um, the representations of whether you're gay, for example, or trans or bi, it's also relationships in total and how people conduct relationships, for example, poly, poly um, relationships, how people handle this, how you represent it in your book, because you want to do it in a way that makes the people who are reading the book proud and to see themselves uh, as, or should I say, authentic, as authentic as possible. So when you get the point of view from people who are actually in the situation, they can help to guide you to ensure that you're not you're not um, perpetuating harmful stereotypes, for example, in mm -hmm. these books that we're writing. Yeah, it's really like a it's almost like a, a responsibility, almost like you're you're almost an advocate for the community in a way because you're you know putting their experiences out there, but you have that that you know responsibility then to do it in a way that is authentic. Yes, you, you definitely will. And the readers aren't afraid to call you out if you get something right, uh, wrong, uh, wrong. So you better get it right. <laughs> you better get it right. <laughs> and, and so then how is your family? Like, do they, do you mention your parents are really involved with the church? Like, do they know, like, are they like, oh, you've changed? Or is it just like you're able to, like, keep your two worlds completely separate? I have kept my two worlds completely separate. Um, I view my writing in part as a business mm -hmm. and my social life is, is separate. Uh, let's just say I don't have a social life anyway. <laughs> I don't have a social life. So that wasn't hard to do at all. That wasn't hard to do. <laughs> I don't think um, the change that I have gone through is a change that is physical where you can look at me and tell that, oh, she's changed. But it's something that if we are talking, you will see based on the things that I say and how I approach situations, you will, you will see my values have changed about certain things. Um, but I don't really hold much discourse with the people around me because um, many times people are too narrow-minded and I just don't want to get into it. So I have very few 
few people in my life, really, that I talk to about things, um, social issues, for example. I don't really delve into it with the people around me because they have these dogmatic principles about things and you can't change their minds. Wow. I, I mean, it sounds like you've really, you know, expanded and grown, but you're in a scenario or, or in, a, in the place that you're at hasn't. And is that, is that hard for you? Like, Yes, it is. Um, it is hurtful. Um, for example, I remember the issue that ended up with me, with them outing, for example, at my workplace, what I write, it's because somebody was lightning being gay, raping someone. And I was like, where, where would you even get this idea from? How does this make sense? And because of that, it ended up in a huge departmental meeting and I was shamed for it. So I realized that even those persons who you think they're educated people, they've been to university, they've studied, but it still changes nothing in their perspectives. And it's really religion here. Mm -hmm. Religion plays a large role in that because here we have every, what should I say? If you walk from here for five minutes, you'll see a church. Okay. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so true. Wow. Yeah, that's a different world. And they shamed you at the meeting because they found out that you were supporting that person or that they found out about no, you? That I that I opposed her because she said she said that being gay or being an LGBTQ person is like raping someone. I'm saying how oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And because I, I I remember I made a post about it and said, how does this even make sense? Mm -hmm. And I, at that time, I think I was very upset, very upset to the point that I didn't care that it was on my personal page that I wrote it. Mm -hmm. And that's how, yes, they brought it to the, the, my supervisor at the time. Yeah. And it caused a, a big conflict. I didn't feel comfortable there anymore. So I was glad when I had the opportunity to leave and could leave. Wow. I mean, it's, your story, I feel like itself should be uh, a movie or something, you know, to see like the work you're doing and then how it's changed you. And then, but it's also like, you know, you couldn't fit into that little box anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But thankfully the work that you're doing provides you with like the freedom now to not have to fit into yeah. the box. And you have um, one child, one, a daughter. Yes. I have a daughter, yes. <laughs> Does she? I guess your work wouldn't really be appropriate for her age. Right. I would make it appropriate for her level. So, for example, she'll see my book. She knows my pen name. She knows what she'll see my book. She knows what they look like. And every swag item that I make, whether they're stickers, she wants one. She has to get one on her computer. Uh -huh. <laughs> I try not to shield her too much, but I put it at her level where she's able to understand that, that type of information. And what's it like for you as a mother to be able to like show her like this is me I'm you know doing my own creative work and I'm independent and you know making my own business what's that like for you I found it to be very important um she was a very slow learner for example uh when she left kindergarten she wasn't reading and here they really push students. When you enter the first grade, you must be able to read or you're going to be left behind. And she had, she was slow with reading and spelling, 
But I remember, I think maybe my own perspective would have been that you need school, you need education. This is the only way you'll, you'll, you'll um, ever succeed in life because that's what I was told. That's what I was told. But then when I started writing and I see that I'm able to do something that has nothing to do with what I studied at college, I didn't worry any at all because I say, oh, you'll find something to do. You'll find something that you're good at. And she's good at art. So um, <laughs> so it, I think my writing really helped me in that way to see the world from a different perspective. When I was a teacher, not just her, but I used to do um, I used to speak with students who are leaving high school, for example, to show them that you don't have to be traditional. People tell you you have to be a lawyer, you have to be a doctor, because these are the big professions here. You must be it for somebody to say, oh, you have arrived or you have achieved something. But I, I showed them that, no, you, you can make even more, have a better life by following your dreams. And, but it's going to take dedication. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take dedication to your craft. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you got into writing the books that you do now through ghostwriting. And, and what was that journey from like, it sounds like you had a traditional job working in a call center. How did you find your way into this very unconventional role? I've always written. I can remember myself writing from as early as nine. Um, but then I would write fairy tales. I remember I finished my first novel in the seventh grade. So I've always written, but I've always written and then I give it to my friends to write and then I throw them away. Mm. That's what I used to do because I didn't realize that my words had value at that time. Um, college was a bit difficult to write. So I was focusing on college. Um, there was a period when I was unemployed and that's when I started writing. Um, I went online, I was looking at freelancing sites and I realized that persons are actually paying people to write for them. So I remember when I was writing articles and you're writing an article of 500 words for $1.50. I remember that's where I'm coming from. I sold my first novel for 15 US dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Um, wow. But then upon speaking with some of my clients, I got little tidbits of information. I learned about, about self-publishing and I realized, oh, this is a path that I can try. So I tried it and uh, it worked. And and it sounds like, I mean, you have a lot going on. So you mentioned right before we started recording that you were on um, Patreon. So are you are you doing more than just writing novels now? Like what is, what is your writing life look like? It's strictly novels, strictly novels. My Patreon, they get certain perks, but I pay, I pay like artists for those for um, content from my books. So graphics that they would make for my books. I do character interviews um, for them. Um, sometimes we, I have a book club. So we engage in a book club where each month we choose a book and we read and discuss. And yesterday we had a book club and it was really good. It was really good yesterday. Um, but most of it is really centered around writing because I don't want to pull my focus from that. Because sometimes when we add other things, then we get caught up in that and forget the main purpose actually to write material. Mm. And what do you love most about this career that you've you've built in a you know pretty unconventional way? I like the freedom that it brings. There is less structure. I don't have to get up at six in the morning to be at school at eight. I don't have to do all the paperwork that the school demands. Basically, you're your own boss. I like that I am able to use my creativity a lot because I'm a creative person. Utilizing that it really makes you feel good. Each day you feel good. You're creating a new world. I say this to people all the time. It's like you're God of your world. And 
that that makes you feel good as an individual to just breathe life into something and where do you um like it's, it's when i look at your your bodies of work like there's a lots of really interesting themes in there different settings where do you get your inspiration for all of the different um like plots and contexts well all that stuff i think inspiration is life everything that is around you sometimes i just have a thought what if this happened and that becomes the inspiration for a book I really work on premises um, and what ifs. Mm -hmm. I realize most of my premises come from that. What if this should happen? How would the characters react? And wanting to learn about that, then I, I will write. Mm -hmm. um, there's this thing where they always tell you when we're writing that you should stay in your lane, but that stifles my creativity a lot. Mm -hmm. So anybody checks will find that I write all over the place because I want to follow my muse and most of the times my inspiration comes when I am just on the verge of sleeping. Oh. That's when I get my ideas. I think it's because your brain is relaxing and getting into that mode for sleep. But that's when I get most of my ideas. That is so funny. And so then do you, um, since you're about to sleep, do you write, write it down or do you just like log it for the morning? Sometimes I, for, I forget to um, write it down. I tell myself, oh, you'll remember it, but I don't remember it. <laughs> but I always sleep with my phone beneath my pillow. So I always grab my phone and just quickly open docs and jot it down. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I don't remember what I wrote or if it makes sense, but I try to keep it down. <laughs> wow, that's so funny. Um, I, I love that everyone gets inspiration in different ways. I was talking to another writing mom and she said she gets her greatest ideas when she's driving in the car at about 70 miles an hour, like and steadily, just like the not stop start start traffic yeah. but just like that con mm -hmm. continuous flow right and um another one said the showers and I, I like that yours is like it's almost like i think they call that liminal state right? where you're like just about to fall asleep it's important that uh, that other writers know that you know we are all different so we'll find what works for us um i see many questions being asked and people want to know how do you do this and how do you do that Ultimately, we can tell you how we do it, but you have to try and figure out that this works for me best. And I think once we find what works for us best, then we get into a rhythm of things and it becomes easier for us to write rather than us trying to fit ourselves into somebody else's mold. Absolutely. And, and I imagine as someone in your position where you're, you know, you have like a loyal following now, you know, you have uh, like a body of work that you really are like, you can decide what where you want to go and you're really in the in the driver's seat in that way compared to maybe a, a writer working with a traditional publisher i've never tried the traditional route never tried it i was just never interested in it to be honest uh, maybe in the future i will but i like the idea of knowing how everything works that's what that's what i want i want to know the whole process of the creation mm -hmm. i want to know the process of the editing i want to know about the arcs I just want to know the whole works. So I want to be behind it. I want to see the creation from beginning to the end. Yeah, I can see that's a theme for you. Being in control and seeing the whole creative process. And would, do you feel that pretty closely connected to your readers? Yes, I do. I think I connect with them well enough um, in that they know that what they'll get from me. Hmm. Even though I write widely, they know that there are certain things that they will find in all my books. Hmm. So I'll write something that, I, that is darker than what they're used to, but they know, well, this is a Gianni book, so I know that she's gonna deliver this to me. 
Uh, age gap, for example, is one thing that I feature widely in my book. Um, so there's that. My Facebook group, I try to keep in touch with them every single day. So there's a post. They understand when I need to take my, uh, my days off and I just need a mental health day. They understand that. I do think there's a boundary that um, people will differ with this, but I do think there's a boundary that you need to have um, in your reader space that certain things that you want to share with them so that they see that you're human and they can empathize with you. But there are certain things as, as well you keep to yourself as an individual. You have to remember that this is also a business practice. Um, so there are many people who, for example, rant. They will rant about certain things that I think is best left out of that reader space. And some things should just be within the author space. Um, so you need to know where to draw the line for that relationship between you and your readers. Some may get very bold as well and they will message you many times and they will do it over and over and not respecting your your personal boundaries so you need to keep i think you should just outline that from the beginning so that they know um she she has a life she has a daughter she has things to do so she will not answer you right away all the time and when you set that boundary then they get it but if you don't set it from very early then it can become a very bad habit can be very ha bad habit yes hmm. that's interesting and i mean it definitely speaks to me to how engaged and like devoted your your readers are is that something that surprised you that people are so you know drawn to interact with you it, it does it does especially we have this recommend group for example and the reader will just you're just scrolling on facebook and you see somebody mention you and mention your book and you're surprised or you'll just get an email and you look and a reader wants to tell you how good this is and they want a story. Um, so it is very good. It can help you to write faster because you're so inspired by how much they enjoy your work. Mm -hmm. But it can also be um, crippling because sometimes they will demand that we want you to write this. This is what we want. Why are you writing this? And this is what we want. <laughs> so it can be crippling. Mm -hmm. And they can be so demanding sometimes that you have this block or fear of writing a book because you're just so scared that you're not going to meet their expectations. Yeah. Wow. That I think for me, I'm like, wow, that's so exciting. Like I've never had that experience of readers being that fanatical, but I could see, oh, you know, that I guess there's a double-edged sword to that. Yes, there definitely is. And is it harder for you because like right now for example and we don't see your face and because you have to keep that separate do you find that because you have to keep your you know real identity you know secret that showing up as a person on social media is harder how do you navigate that um in some ways but not all i i say i'm semi-public so i am not fully private mm. in my facebook they know my face they know what i look like because I can restrict my viewers. I can restrict whoever see my content. But like TikTok, for example, is very geographical. And I realized that because I was seeing most of the, the posts that were coming from my country. So I realized, okay, TikTok is a platform I can never use to show my face in this because you mm. are going to get backlash. And one thing that I learned is that the world is actually smaller than we think. You have to be smart about it, basically. You know where you can be yourself. So with my readers in my close group, I can be myself. With my community, I can be myself. And But that's pretty it. 
uh, if I do like podcasts like these, I don't know where they will end up. Mm. So, right. So because of that, I always try to keep that part private. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really smart um, and very intentional. But it's not that the books would be illegal in your country. It's just that it would you would have a negative um, backlash from your like community. Is that right? All right. Uh, it's not that it is illegal, but I don't think you think you'll find it here because nobody will be bold enough to walk into a bookstore mm -hmm. and buy a book. Oh, the, that may not even reach that far. The bookstore wouldn't even carry that book in the first place. The mm -hmm. library won't even carry it in the first place. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not something that comes in, in my mind. I always know that this here, it's not my audience. I never try to um, ply my wares in this country. This is not my audience, and I know that. Yeah, it's so interesting, though. I'm just, like, fascinated by all the complexities of your career and your identity and your audiences. And do you think that you would ever write about the experience of, of writing the books? I have thought about it, uh, my biography, really, my autobiography. Mm. Um, but it will consist of a lot not just writing you know it has to come from it to start from your background so that people will understand um you know all the things that you grew up in mm -hmm. how the socialization affected certain things and then they can understand because some people won't understand if you say to them for example i can't show myself on tiktok they just won't understand because they can't conceive why you wouldn't be able to show yourself that way Mm -hmm. uh, because the world is really very liberal. To be honest, we are the younger generation. They are a bit different, but it's still not enough. It's still not enough because my very closest friend, um, he identifies as straight, but he's effeminate because of this. The everybody just throw gay slurs at him all the time, and he's also a teacher. I mean, students are doing this in the workplace. So I know that we're not at the place where I can just out my work and everything because of how they treat him. Yeah, not not today. Do you think that you could see a future in the Caribbean where your books would be available and you could be open about your author life? Mm, I don't see that happening in my lifetime. I don't see it happening in my lifetime. But what I do know with the publishing companies such as Amazon, it gives people the opportunity to read what they want without anybody knowing. So I have, I have readers, for example, the first time I mentioned I'm Jamaican. Oh my God, I'm from Jamaica. So I have readers who are Jamaicans in my group and they had no idea. So I know that people are actually accessing the material, even though they won't be able to find it here. So eBooks, I think eBooks play a very important role um, for us uh, LGBTQ authors, because whether you believe it or not, even in countries that are liberal, there are many people who still cannot hold a book and show that this is what I'm reading. And I had such a case with a reader recently who, who was outed because of it. And yeah, we, we had a long discussion about it. Even in liberal countries, uh, many people still cannot show what they are reading. There's a stigma, and it's not even with gay romance only, but romance in general. There's a stigma with, um, when it comes to romance books that Especially, I think, because many women, women are the ones who are reading romance books. And this whole idea with sexuality and women should not show, show that they have any um, inclination towards sex and we should be repressed. Mm -hmm. I don't think society still accepts that we understand that we are sexual creatures and that we want to be, as, to be pleasured as much as a male wants to be pleasured, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that still plays, that plays a huge role in what we face as gay romance writers because it trickles down 
when I'm in the broad writer group, for example, and somebody says that they write romance, the scathing remarks that they get sometimes from other members, it shows that we're not a place to accept this. And I can see why people read mostly on their Kindles, for example, because they are still afraid to show the world that this is what we're reading. Wow, yeah, I never thought about even romance as being like a something that society condemns because of the female sexuality aspect of it like that yeah i'm reading it because i want to read about sex i want to imagine sex i hadn't even thought about that as like being sort of like an active um there's still this idea of what a woman should be like and what should be demure we should be we should be um pure Mm -hmm. and yeah it's like we should deny that we have any sexuality that should be something that is private Mm. And I think many women who are finding dissatisfaction, even, for example, in their marriages, and they will tell you that's why we read books, because, you know, we, we are able to identify. We can't identify really with a female, but we have the dream of one day where we'll be able to express ourselves this way, even with our husbands, because there are many women who still can't express themselves that way with the person who should be the closest to them. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I love it. It's definitely this an act of rebellion. And I think I kind of forget about that sometimes. So thanks for sharing. I just wanted to also touch back on something you said about, you know, connecting with readers that are Jamaican and like, wow, I just think that's so amazing that you're providing that space for them to feel like seen in, you know, obviously a, a time and a space where they don't get that anywhere else if you're feeling isolated as an author i just can't imagine what the readers must be going through right how important your work must be to them so what um what advice would you give to yourself now knowing what you do and you you know again you've built up this amazing career totally doing it on your own figuring it out what advice would you give to yourself that gianni that was just you mentioned you just sold a, a book for a dollar fifty American. <laughs> what I wish I had done differently to connect more with authors in my genre. I am not a very social person, I'm not a very social person. And so I stay mostly by myself and I interact with my readers. That's what I do. I, I had crippling social anxiety, to be honest. Um, so it was very difficult and at the time I would worry so much because I am not doing enough to connect with my peers but somehow last year I realized that I had to accept that this is who I am Mm. and I think I would want to tell myself that from earlier is accept that this is who you are and if you if you push yourself to be someone who you're not others will will see it it will be very obvious that you're not comfortable and once I started accepting that this is who I am I'll never be the socialite I will never be that person who will socialize with everyone but when I connect with a few they will always be there so just work on connecting with those few and keep them close to you yeah uh, so I, w- I would really wish that I could go back and just let myself know that because it was really crippling, really worrisome because, you know, our careers, are, um, I don't see it happening in many genres, but our genre is very close. The authors, very close. Readers, very close. So 
we can see um, success sometimes can be linked with who you know, who supports you and who gets your, your work out. But as I was explaining to another author the other day who had the same issue that I do with social anxiety, that sometimes you just have to accept that this is who you are and work around it, find another angle. So the angle that I found is that I started learning how to do my ads so I can reach readers and stop focusing on the author-centric portion of my work. Yeah, that's a great insight. And I love that um, that acceptance and that you yeah. gave to yourself. And I think that, um, so where can listeners connect with you? Speaking of <laughs> connection, but. I am very active in my reader group. Uh, my name here, I think it's a bit unique. So you'd be able to find me. Um, it's my logo as well on Facebook. You'll see it there. So it'd be clear that I'm an author very active there on Facebook. Um, I mean, I'll post a lot, but I'll always be there. Mm -hmm. uh, I My reader group is called Gianni's Gems. So I'm always there. Uh, my website is also there, giannihomesauthor.com. My email address, contact at giannihomesauthor.com. And I always like to assist, especially with better reading. I like to do that. Um, because one of the things that I used to do in addition to ghostwriting is plotting. So I used to plot for other authors. So I love to discuss with authors, okay, this is the way we can make your story stronger and so on. And I think I do that very quietly. So many people not know that, okay, she's working with a lot of authors, but I do that quietly in the background. And I'm always happy to do that. So especially if it's romance and romantic suspense, throw that my way and I'll go at it. Oh, that is such a lovely offer. Thank you. That is, yeah. And it's funny because you said you don't connect that much with authors, but it sounds like you do just in a different way. Right. Uh, it's it's very different. Mm -hmm. I will do it in the background so nobody will have to know, Johnny Holmes is doing this for my book. No, <laughs> I, I like to play, play it very low, <laughs> very low key. Yeah, I could see that. Um, that's great, though. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been such a, a great conversation. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, thanks for having me, Jackie. Have a good day. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gianni. Her story is just so inspirational to me and such a great reminder that even when you have barriers and challenges around you, that they can be overcome. All right, so here are the top takeaways. Number one, when writing about marginalized community members, it's important to consult with them about your book so that you don't cause further damage by perpetuating stereotypes. Number two, also because the readers are going to call you out on it if you don't get it right. Number three, it's okay to stray away from your lane as long as you stay true to a few key elements that define your books. Number four, understand and accept how you are and how you work as an author and work from there. And number five, writing gay romance or romance in general is a form of bravery. And so for all the authors in those genres, thank you for helping members of the LGBT community embrace their sexuality. If you want to engage with these ideas further, check out our Facebook group as well. 
You can sign up to my newsletter to find out about upcoming workshops on writing, motivation, and marketing. There will be a link to that in the show notes. And if you're looking for a new podcast, I recommend The Not-So-Glorious Life, real honest stories of how we've overcome and dealt with our mental health journeys and life's rough moments. And what is really special is that for the month of June, the host of this show, Shelly, will be talking to guests specifically about pride and mental health. As always, I would love it if you could subscribe or like this podcast on Apple or Spotify. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing.